morning. So we're going to be teaching on why do we pray, part three, taking the land. But before we begin, uh, I just had this word come to me at the very beginning <clears throat> here, and I was reminded of a scripture, and it's in 1 Peter chapter 4, and I started reading uh, this. One part of the, of the scripture really came to me, and then I started studying and seeing around it, and I realized how much it actually fits with our teaching and what, with prayer and, and why it's important. 1 Peter chapter 4. It says right here, verse 7, The end of all things that is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. <clears throat> Check this out. Verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, Amen. as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of, of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Now he's talking about here, about actually going through sufferings for Christ. You know, sometimes we tag things like, oh, this is a suffering, for, but it's not really suffering for Christ. He's actually talking about being ridiculed for your faith. You know, when you get out there and you step out and you do something for the Lord and then people just write you off, you know, and it's just very discouraging. But he's saying, don't let him judge you for an actual problem, like being a murderer or a thief. You know what I mean? Like if they're going to come against you, they better just come against you for the sake of Christ and that's it. You know, don't, don't, basically you got to be blameless, you know. Um, they can't be coming to you and saying, and be accusing you of walking in the flesh, they need to be accusing you of, you of walking in Christ. That's kind of crazy. I'm going to write that down. When people persecute you, not, not to say people won't slander your name, but I'm saying there can't be validity to it. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're doing something wrong, if you're walking in the flesh, and then someone comes and accuses you, and you actually really are walking in the flesh, then you're not really representing Christ, and you're not really suffering for Christ. You're actually suffering for your own flesh. See what I'm saying? But when we proclaim Jesus and people come against us for Jesus' sake, then it says we can rejoice in that. Um, yeah, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Um, so anyway, uh, I don't know. I just I felt like what well, the one that came to me was... Love covers a multitude of sins, which is important, man. This is so important. But then I kept reading in the saw to the, to, to en the end of all things is at hand, verse 7. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. So, this is just a little key here. Things that hinder your prayer um, is lack of self-control and sober-mindedness. So, one of the keys to, one of the problems with hindered prayers is, Self-control, lack of self-control, and lack of sober-mindedness. And this has to do with faith. You know, we talk about faith, how 
faith is uh, that when you're holding on to the promise from God. So self-control is 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 losing is losing focus again. You know, sober-mindedness is losing focus. These things affect your faith. So what I've noticed about um, things in prayer is that our prayers are only hindered by unbelief. Now, a lot of people will come up with things like, for instance, conf- unconfessed sin, right? They'll say, well, if you have unconfessed sin, that will hinder your prayers. But I beg to differ. I beg to differ because I believe that unconfessed sin is actually... A, attributing to your unbelief and unbelief is what hinders your prayers you see what i mean because whenever you have unconfessed sin you're it's you're not walking in the cross you see what i mean you're not walking in faith because faith the bible says that the righteous shall walk by faith so when i'm operating in faith i'll be living in a righteous lifestyle you see what i'm saying so unconfessed sin what that means is that you're regarding sin in your heart means that you you're you're saying hey this is okay like when you do that that's a problem, you know. Uh, I'm not saying you have to be perfect because perfection is, 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 not the, is not the goal here. The goal is to walk by faith. And walking by faith sets you free. So when we have unconfessed sin, this is sin that we've harbored in our heart that we're not really letting go of. And this causes unbelief. And also it leads to a lack of self-control, a lack of sober-mindedness. You see what I mean? And so, anyway... Uh, and con- and unconfessed sin doesn't even have to be um, like outright everything that we you know the works of the flesh. It could just be something you know you're supposed to be doing, and God told you not to do it, and now you're doing it. You know that's sin to you. The scripture says. So there's a lot of things here. Uh, there's a lot of things here. I I didn't want to necessarily get into this, but I just felt like that scripture came to my mind, and I felt like I was supposed to share it. Um, I'm gonna go up to the very beginning of that chapter. Uh, verse chapter 4 verse 1 since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions but for the will of God for the time is past for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking, parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Basically, he's talking about being set apart. You know, we're set apart from the world. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. So, anyway, it's talking about being self, having self-control, self-reminded. These are just um, signs that you are walking in faith. And so when we, when we start losing this self-control, then the truth is we've entered, out, we've entered into unbelief. Does that make sense? You know, unbelief always leads to sin. So, I thank you, Father, for bringing focus in Jesus' name. <clears throat> All right, so, I just felt like I was supposed to share that. I don't know. It's weird. Okay. Joshua 4, chapter 2, verse 5. All right, so today we're going to be talking about taking the land, all right? So when we're praying, we talked about before how prayer is worship. You know, you have our Father who art in heaven, how would be your name? So we're still on this part right here about worship and about how uh, last time we talked about how thankfulness gets rid of your depression and it unlocks faith, okay? And it's a refocus of your faith. You're basically refocusing your faith. You're refocusing your attention 
off the wind and onto Jesus. You know, you're refocusing your you're refocusing your mind off of the situation that you're going through and back onto Jesus. This is so vital for overcoming like everything in your life. Okay, being thankful. Thankfulness pretty much breaks through. I like to call thankfulness the battering ram for breakthrough. Thankfulness. Thankfulness is the battering ram for breakthrough. Um, this is so, 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 so important. Like, man, think about this. What if you're, let's just say you're struggling with sin or something, you know? What if, what if all, the, all of a sudden you're in temptation and you just started worshiping God? <laughs> you know? It would fall off of you, you know what I mean? We're, the problem is we can't bring ourselves to worship because of unbelief. You see what I mean? But thankfulness refocuses us back to faith. Okay? Thankfulness is the is the weasel back into it weasels you back into faith. You know, you may be in unbelief, alright? You may be having struggles with some sort of temptation or whatever, but whenever you say thank you, Father, for your victory, and then you start worshiping him, then it breaks through all that attack. You see what I mean? Um, so we're gonna go through some actual uh real practical examples of what the Israelites did and as a battering ram for their breakthrough, okay? Um, in Joshua 4, verse 20, uh, chapter 4, verse 2 through 5, says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your, into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once, thus you uh, shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. The, on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the, with the ram's horn, when, they, when, they hear, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, and everyone straight before him. And it happened just like that. They took the land to kill everybody, you know? Um, and so... He was teaching them something about worship. He was teaching them, listen, if you'll just go here and worship your way through it, you'll win. I'll just give it to you. This is so cool. Um, if we'll worship God at the beginning of the battle, we'll get it every time. We'll win. Now, this is really, man, this is so, this is so powerful. Man, wow. Worship at the beginning of the battle. Give God glory for the victory before you even go into battle. This is what we talked about in Romans chapter 4, whenever um, Abraham says that he let no unbelief cause him to waver, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. So he chose to worship the Lord, and he grew strong in his faith. And that faith is what actually moved the mountain. So, All right, so Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 through 13, says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose from us men and go out and fight with, Am with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. Oh, that's cool. How many times do you grow weary in worship, you know? Like, have you ever worshipped so long you actually grew weary in worship? <laughs> You know, and you know, worship is a lifestyle. We talk about that sometimes, but 
Man, when you're believing God for victory, sometimes you have to have some help in your worship. This is really interesting. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under, under him, and he sat on it, while, Mo, while Aaron and Ur held up his hands. This is so cool. One on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. So we see that worship is very important. Worship will bring down walls, and worship will drive back the enemy. And sometimes we need help worshiping. We need people to encourage us. We need people to help remind us. We need people to lift up our hands and hold us there, you know? And even the best of us. I mean, look at Moses, you know? Moses is the meekest man. You know why he's meek? Because he, he humbled himself to Aaron and Aaron. You know what I mean? There's things. This is powerful, man. You know, just, he just didn't just humble himself to God, but he humbled himself uh, to the point where he trusted in other people to help him. It's pretty powerful. Um, so worship is the battering ram to your breakthrough. Psalm 22, verse 3 says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on, on the praises of Israel. Some translation, or in the footnotes it says, Enhance. You inhabit the praises of your people. All right, so this is very, this is very good. All right, so I'm talking about this because if we want breakthrough, we need the Spirit of God. Breakthrough requires the Spirit of God. It's so good. This is right here. You inhabit the praises of your people. Psalm 22, 3. God inhabits the praises of his people. Watch this. When we praise God, we escort His presence. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 So if God inhabits the praises of His people, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and we're going through a trial, we're trying to overcome something, we need to understand the importance of worship. Because when we worship him, true worship, you know, then he inhabits the praises of his people. And this is so good. And it all starts with thanks, Thanksgiving, man. Let's look this up. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 15. Let's go there. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. For here... Verse 14, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Ooh, this is good. Again, we're talking about God's kingdom coming. This is where we're, we're transitioning into this part of the prayer. His kingdom is coming. We're taking the land. How do we get there? For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. All right, so, again, we're talking about looking forward to the cities to come, the kingdom of God, and the way you get there is through a sacrifice of praise. The reason why this is so important is because oftentimes when it's time to be thankful, you don't really want to be thankful. <laughs> The time, okay, here's when you know you're supposed to be thankful. Dead set, 100% time. Though Every single time this happens, you're supposed to be thankful. 
when you don't want to be thankful. That's the most critical time to be thankful. I'm going to write it down. The most critical time for Thanksgiving is the time you don't feel like it. So let that sit in for a minute. The most critical time for Thanksgiving is the time you don't feel like it. <laughs> because you're going through a trial. When you don't feel like it, it's because you're going through a trial. The only way you're going to get out of that trial is by being thankful. I'm going to say this again. The most critical time for Thanksgiving is the time you don't feel like it because you're going through a trial. And the only way out of that trial is to be thankful. Amen. It's no longer a trial when you're thankful. <laughs> Man, this, this will set everyone free, man, right here. Golly. We're talking about when you're being tempted to sin. We're talking about when people are coming against you. We're talking about when everything falls apart. The t I mean, think about when you're being tempted to, be, to, to, to sin, are you, are you feeling like, do you feel like being thankful? <laughs> you know, anytime you don't feel like it, that's the time to be thankful, man. Golly. Why? It's a sacrifice of praise, man. We're a sacrifice of praise because we're looking forward. What is that? That's faith. We're looking forward to the city that is to come, the kingdom of God that's coming. A sacrifice of praise is required when you're looking forward to the city that's coming. Sacrifice of praise. That means you don't want to. That means it hurts. Sacrifice implies that it hurts. Man. But it's so critical. And this is the reason why people don't see breakthrough in their lives. Because they don't know this art. Man, golly. Jesus is awesome. The most critical time for Thanksgiving is the time you don't feel like it. Hmm. Exodus chapter 33, verse 1. <clears throat> the Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites... The Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are stiff-necked people. Who are you talking to? Grumblers and complainers. He says, I ain't going to go with you, because if I go with you, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and that's how much God hates this. Right here. And we're talking about in the heart, man. It starts right in the heart. He says, I ain't going to go with you. If I go with you, I'm going to kill you. So if you want God's presence to leave you, just don't be thankful. Golly, this is awesome. If you want the presence of God to, to just stop being around you, you, you just don't be thankful. Golly, man, this really... Ooh. This is hitting me. This really hitting me hard. This hit me hard, man. This is really powerful stuff. But I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way for you are stiff-necked people. Verse 4, when the people heard this disastrous word, <laughs> they mourned and no, no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, <laughs> that I may know what you what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. Now this is cool. 
So when you study like the tabernacle and stuff, there was a tent, a meeting that was before the tabernacle. And then the tab after the tabernacle was the temple. And then after the temple was our bodies, which is the temple of God. Okay. But before they had the tabernacle and all the laws and everything, they had a place called the tent of meeting. Okay. And it was keyword outside, outside the camp. Okay, this is before they had all the rituals, all the blood sacrifices, all that stuff. Because the people were grumbling and complaining, God was creating a law to help them. Okay, because I know that to us, like the law is bad, but the law is actually the only way that God could go with them. When they obeyed his commandments, it was a sign of faith. That's why the Bible says the righteous shall walk by faith. By obeying the commandments and doing the sacrifices and obeying God and there by works, you know, the Bible says that, that, um, that faith without works is dead. They were being obedient to the commandments of God. And that was an act of faith. Okay? Just like our tithe is an act of faith. Okay? So, he couldn't even come inside them. Inside, the, he was on the outside. Okay? Check this out. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. <laughs> and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. It says it many times. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up. Each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. So all the people, 600,000 people would just get up out of their tent, watch him walk into this tent. It's a big deal. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Humility. Remember, how did, how did Moses have this access? Uh, because of humility. It takes humility to be thankful and be faithful. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. And he's not talking about people. He's talking about some angelic host, some heavenly being. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. <clears throat> therefore, now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. Now, this is Moses. He's going on behalf of the people of God. He's like, hey, don't forget about them. <laughs> I know you like me, but don't forget about them. They're your people, too, even though they're stiff-necked and you're not really liking them. You want to kill them right now. They're your people. He's reminding God of his, uh, of his deal, of his uh, covenant with them. These are your people. It's kind of like when my wife says, hey, your son, your daughter did this, you know. Anyway. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. All right, this is so cool. Check this out. I'm not going to erase that. All right, check this out. <clears throat> my presence, the Bible says right here in Exodus, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. All right. Now, this is very powerful. Without the presence of God, you will not find rest. The presence of God brings about rest. And we talked about this. The quickest way to lose the presence of God is not be thankful. So if you're thankful, you get the presence of God, and you get rest. 
This is so good. Uh, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. This is Moses talking back. Say, hey, look, if you don't go with us, don't send us out. I ain't going nowhere without you, God. this 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 is so awesome. Moses, he really believes the presence of God is very important, man. He he values the presence of God. Now, guys, there are several ways to experience the Holy Spirit, especially in the New Covenant. <clears throat> you have an indwelling. Another way, another way of describing this is a seal of the Holy Spirit. But then there's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Which is like coming upon you. And then there's this filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of these are slight mysteries to me still. I'm still discovering some of this. But you can study in the Word. If you grab your concordances or go on Google, you can look up the indwelling Holy Spirit. You can look up the seal of the Holy Spirit. You can look up the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can look up the filling of the Holy Spirit. All of these are new content. These are New Testament concepts. There's different ways to experience God. Okay. There's also this tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. So a lot of people will say, well, we always have the Holy Spirit with us now. Well, that's true. We have a seal. We have an indwelling, but there's still a presence that comes upon us. This is called the anointing of God. Okay. All right. Well, you can't have this part right here. This is the part that's really powerful. It's important for you to have victory in life. You can have the indwelling, which is your seal, which is what the Israelites had. You see what I'm saying? Don't forget, God, these are your people. So if they're his people, but they can go somewhere. They're his people. Get this. They're his people. But they can still travel without his presence. You know? We can experience. The, my point is, even in the New Testament, because a lot of people will argue, well, we're in the New Testament now. God's always with us. Done deal. Well, please explain to me why you have no power in your life. Okay? Because I'm telling you, it's by the Spirit of God that you're set free. And so, yeah, you might have spiritual set frees on the inside, but what about spiritual set free on the outside? You know? This is where you need these other experiences with the Holy Spirit. We need to know how to keep the presence of God, not just being sealed with it, but actually having Him upon us. Like, if we want the Holy Spirit to be upon us, if we want the Holy Spirit to fill us, if we want the Holy Spirit to to guide us, we've got to remain thankful. Okay? This is all important for taking the land. This is the next part. We might not even get into it. Um, Check this out. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For now, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? How many times do you look at a Christian and he's not distinct? It's because he doesn't have the presence of God in his life. I remember telling my dad a long time ago, I was very evangelistic and stuff. But I, I just struggled. I was bound up in habitual sin. And I didn't have any um, victory in my life. But I also told my dad one time. I said, Zach, I said, Dad, I've never experienced the presence of God. I knew about God. I had a head knowledge. But I had no power. That's why I really like this, the, the, our theme uh, verse for our ministry is 1 Corinthians chapter 4.20. The kingdom of God does not consist of talk but of power. You know, because it's more than just talk. It's more than just a head knowledge. We've got to experience the presence of God. The presence of God is where the power is. Okay? And you get that by being thankful. <clears throat> this is this is amazing. Dude, this is like changed this changed my life. Golly. 
Is it not going, you're going in with us, right, so that we are distinct? Look, you're distinct because you're victorious. Like, it's noticeable. People, man, the Holy Spirit's upon you. Like, they recognize it. You are distinct. When people look at you, they see something different. That's what the presence of God does in your life. You become distinct. You are set apart. You don't do the same things that the, that the world does, like as we read in uh, 1 Peter earlier today. <clears throat> Check this out. Um, so that we are distinct. I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight. And I know you by name. All right, now check this out. Again, it says right here, For you have found favor in my sight. You know the word favor is the same word for grace. And the Bible says you can only get grace by being humble. So Moses humbled himself. He received favor and God gave him what he asked him for. Again, we're going to find almost in every one of my teachings, I'm probably going to bring up humility. Humility and submission to the Lord, it's key to all these things. Being humble is key to being thankful. Being humble is key to having faith and submitting to what God says and not what you think. You know? So, humility is key to obedience. Humility is key. Key, 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 key. Humility is like the answer to life. Okay? Jesus was a perfect picture of humility. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And this is where he gets to experience the goodness of God. You know, we got to keep our hearts right. Thankfulness guards our hearts, you know. Um, all right, check this out. When we forget our focus and lose sight of the promise, we can become bitter and forget about love. Oh, wow. God is love, and we should never forget it. Hmm. Golly. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15-19 See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. In other words, if somebody does something wrong, you don't do something bad back to them. You know what I mean? That's just not Christ-like. You know? It's just... <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny. I just did. <laughs> See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Again, that's refocusing. Refocusing on the good news, man. Rejoice always. Pray without cease. Oh, wow. I know why I found that funny. My spirit was laughing. That's why. Woo! Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Mm. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God. What's the will of God? That you give thanks all the time. No matter what. Always be thankful. Always rejoice. Always pray without ceasing. Always do good to everyone and everyone. And every, yeah. And do not repay evil for evil. This is the will of God. You know, people always say, man, what's God's will? Look, if you just open up your Bible, you'll find out God's will. It's right here. It's written down. God's will. It's written down, dude. Like, all of God's will is right here. Right here in this book. It's the will of God. Even if it's falling apart. It's the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 through 19. This is the perfect will of God right here. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. And then it says, do not quench the spirit. You know how? Okay. You want to know how to quench the spirit? Don't be thankful. How do we quench the spirit? 
Number one, repay evil with evil. Number two, how do you quench the spirit? Do not rejoice. <laughs> Don't be thankful. And stop praying. All right, so this is so, this is so powerful. So this is this. I think this is exactly why the, why the Lord showed me that scripture at the beginning. Love covers a multitude, a multitude of sins. That scripture verse I opened at the very beginning. Couldn't figure out why. I, I got that scripture verse hit me like crazy. Because of this right here. Do not repay evil with evil. You know, love covers a multitude of sins. Do not rejoice. I mean, if you're like, if you're not rejoicing, then you quench the Holy Spirit. If you're not being thankful, then you quench the Holy Spirit. If you stop praying, then you quench the Holy Spirit. If you quench the Holy Spirit, there's no freedom. Because wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. If we don't have the presence of God, we have no victory. This, this, is, how, this is how you hinder your prayers, right here. You repay evil with evil. You don't rejoice. You don't be thankful and you stop praying. <laughs> this is how you quench the Holy Spirit. Man, this is, so, man, this is really this is good stuff. It's really good stuff. We shouldn't be reactive. But we should be proactive. That's what Thanksgiving is. It's proactive. Wait, not, don't wait till all hell breaks loose before you start being thankful. Be thankful now. Be thankful now. Before it all happens. Be proactive. Already make up your mind. I'm going to be thankful. When something happens, I'm going to be thankful. No matter what. Be proactive, not reactive. Reaction is the flesh. Reaction is the flesh. Man. Golly. Man. Thanksgiving is the spirit. Thankfulness is a sign of self-control. Thankfulness is self-control. Man, this is really good, man. I didn't realize how good this was. This is really hitting me hard in my spirit, man. This is so awesome. I'm getting a lot out of this. I don't know if y'all get anything out of it. I'm getting a whole lot of it. Amen. Thankfulness is a sign of self-control. Man, this is like... This is like our victory, man. Thanksgiving is our victory, man. This, like, this is what brings us victory. Thank you, Jesus. It is a sign of self-control, man. You want to overcome sin? Be thankful. You want to overcome trials? You're not be thankful. The peace that Jesus paid for you to have costs too high of a price for you just to throw it away when problems come your way. I'm going to say that again. The peace that Jesus paid for you to have costs too high of a price for you to just throw it away when problems come your way. Say that one more time. The peace of God that Jesus paid for you to have <clears throat> cost way too high of a price for you just to throw it away when problems come your way. It's time to be thankful because the price is very high. He paid a high price for you to be thankful and have victory. Thanksgiving is sacrifice. It's equivalent to having a tithe, to giving your tithe, you know? Thanksgiving, a sacrifice of praise. This is what we give to God initially when things don't look like they're going our way. When we give that to Him, we give up our opinion, we submit ourselves to Him, that's when we start seeing more victory in our life. You know what Thanksgiving is? Oh, wow. Thanksgiving is the tithe of your thoughts. Thanksgiving is the tithe of your thoughts. Thanksgiving is the tithe of your thoughts. In other words, the first thought that you have, you take it captive, you kill it, and you be thankful. The first negative thought that you have, you kill it with thankfulness. You sacrifice it. Man, golly. Thanksgiving is the sacrifice of your first thought. Thanksgiving is the tithe of your first thought. It's your first thought. 
You say, I'm going to take my first thought, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to sacrifice my first thought to the Lord. It's just, man, this is so powerful, man. You, you want to have victory in faith? Faith is all your thoughts after you're thankful with the first thought. After you sacrifice your first thought, <clears throat> when you're being tempted with a sin, the first thought is, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, I have victory over that. Instead of submitting to the first thought and allowing it to arise, you kill it. You see what I'm saying? That's how you get faith. That's how you, the rest of your thoughts are multiplied in faith. This is so powerful. This is so awesome. Wow. Woo! Thanksgiving is the sacrifice of your first thought. It is the tithe of your thought life. <clears throat> I never said that before. That's awesome. That's the Holy Spirit right there. Um, yeah, that's awesome. <coughs> Grumbling and complaining always kills the blessing, and Thanksgiving always releases the blessing. Condemnation and discouragement also set in and leads to forgetting our promises. Worthlessness and meaninglessness also contribute to killing thankfulness in our heart. Nehemiah 8 talks about the joy of the Lord is your strength. So as we refocus our life and we, we, we take captive the thoughts, what is that scripture verse? Take every thought captive. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 10 verse 15. It says, take your thoughts captive. It says, uh, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient uh, to, let's just look it up. I can't. We take every thought captive and make it obedient. Sorry, I don't have the scripture verse memorized. I just knew that little part. Uh, to obey Christ. Take every thought captive to, uh, to obey Christ. So, it's talking about taking your thoughts captive. Being thankful. Okay? <clears throat> Proverbs 37, 3 through 4 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Guys, it's a choice to delight in the Lord. This refocus um, time in our prayers is so critical for setting the tone for receiving from the Lord and filling our hearts with faith. This is the time where we hold on to the promises of God and His faithfulness. And so, on that note, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and stop right there. I'm going to pray us out, man. Um, the next time we come back together, we're going to talk about um, our assignment with the kingdom. No, this is taking the land. I, <clears throat> the reason why I, I did this is because I said taking the land is because when we're thankful, that's when the walls come down. This is the beginning of our breakthrough. This is the beginning of us conquering and advancing the kingdom of God in our lives. Um, without this, you can't even begin to take the land, you know. Um, and so the next time we come together, we're going to talk about um, Exodus chapter 23. says, little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. You know, and so this is a spiritual concept even for the New Testament where we um, we're going to go and take the land. The, the devil's still around. The devil hadn't been thrown in hell yet, you know. And so this is why he hates your guts. He wants to destroy you. He wants to make your life a living hell so that you won't serve God. I want to talk about two things real quick. Everybody says everything happens for a reason, right? This is like a, a big deal, right? It's not really in the Bible, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> everything happens 
for a reason. I'll tell you the reasons why things happen. There's only two reasons. Number one and number two. Number one reason, to destroy your faith. Number two, to build your faith. Those are the only reasons. If something happens in your life, it's happened to destroy your faith or it's happened to build your faith. Now, when everybody says that everything happens for a reason, they think, well, that reason's from God. But the God of this world wants to destroy your faith. And the God of heaven wants to build your faith. You see? We're going to talk about that uh, soon, or this next time. Uh, the enemy wants to destroy your faith. So if something happens in your life that's negative, that's trying to kill you, it's just trying to destroy your faith. And if something good comes from God, it's there to build your faith. Make sense? Those are the reasons. So, we're going we're to come back to that later, but let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we can learn the art of being thankful in every circumstance. And, Father, that we can tithe our first thought. Lord, that we can take our first thought captive every single time. The first thought captive. Just take it captive and kill it and be thankful and start praising you and start worshiping you for our victory. And I believe, I know, Father, just from what we've been reading here in the scriptures, the Lord, if we'll be thankful and we'll worship you, we'll have breakthrough in all of our life. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Line Ministry Podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, visit our website at boldasalignedministries.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our Facebook page for weekly updates on what God is doing here. We pray blessing over you and yours and for the passion and courage to walk boldly for God.